Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's in Stonehouse, which is in Scotland. We are a local ecumenical partnership between the Church of Scotland and the United Reformed Church and that means we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. So let's listen to our reading for this week and then get on to the sermon. Today's first reading is from Isaiah chapter 2. Verses 1 to 5. Everlasting peace. This is the message which God gave to Isaiah, son of Amos, about Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain where the temple stands will be highest one of all, towering above all the hills. Many nations will come streaming to it, and their people will say, Let us go up the hill of the Lord to the temple of Israel's God. He will teach us what he wants us to do. We will walk in the paths he has chosen. For the Lord's teaching comes from Jerusalem. From Zion he speaks to his people. He will settle disputes among great nations. They will hammer their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nations will never again go to war. Never prepare for battle again. Now, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light which the Lord gives us. Second readings from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. No one knows the day and the hour. No one knows, however, when that day and hour will come. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son The Father alone knows. The coming of the Son of Man will be like what happened in the time of Noah. In the days before the flood, people ate and drank. Men and women married. Up to the very day Noah went into the boat. Yet they did not realize what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man comes. At that time, Two men will be working in a field. One will be taken away, the other will be left behind. Two women will be at a mill grinding meal. One will be taken away, the other will be left behind. Be on your guard then, because you do not know what day the Lord will come. If the owner of a house knew the time when a thief would come, you can be sure that he would stay awake and not let the thief break into his house. So then, you also must always be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him. Welcome to Advent, the waiting season, where the light prepares and the angels stir and the stars shift and the world begin the word, sorry, begins to put on flesh. Waiting waiting to move among us. But that's not quite what we're presented with in the readings this morning, is it? On this, the first Sunday of Advent, Matthew's Gospel presents us with something altogether more problematic and frightening. This passage about the coming of the Son of Man being like the days of Noah scares the living daylights out of us. Because we know that in the days of Noah, There was so much evil going on that God decided to start over and sent a flood, and only a very few were saved. 
And here is Jesus saying the same kind of thing is going to happen again. When all of a sudden, we're all just getting on with our daily lives, going about our daily business, and one will be taken and one will be left behind. And it all seems so random and arbitrary. There's a whole branch of theology about this. A whole load of books and TV shows and films have grown up around this idea that some are taken and some are left behind. We call it the rapture. During the week, I often listen to a preaching podcast from Working Preacher to help understand some of the ideas that are going around about the readings for the coming week. And this week, they began to talk about Advent, how excited they were about Advent, and then they got to these texts and they thought, yeah, actually, I just prefer baby Jesus in a manger. Can we not just have that? And that's something we all do, isn't it? We'd much rather think about a wee cute baby wrapped up in some blankets, all bathed in candlelight, because this stuff, this stuff about people being taken away and left behind is just too hard. But perhaps that lays bare one of the problems that we have with Advent. We think it's about something that it's not. Here's a bombshell for you. Advent isn't the countdown to Christmas. I'll say that again, just so you can all close your mouths. Advent isn't the countdown to Christmas. Even though our calendars count down the days and we're bombarded with adverts telling us how few shopping days we've got left, that's not the point of Advent. Advent is about anticipating. It is about waiting. It is about looking forward. But the thing that we are anticipating and waiting for and looking forward to is the second coming of Christ. That's why we're presented with these passages from Matthew and Isaiah about the end times. We explore the story of Christmas only to help us to understand what next time might be like. What might be the signs as Christ prepares to come again. I think it might help that we've recently spent some time in Revelation. Another book about the end times. Remember that in Revelation 21 it tells us that God's home would be among the mortals. And there would be no more pain. Crying and death would be no more because the first things would have passed away. The kingdom of heaven will be here on earth. The kingdom of heaven will be here on earth. One of the odd things about how we think about this passage, how we think about the rapture, about some people being taken and some people being left behind, is that we always assume that the good people are taken away. Why? Why do we think that? Especially given that there seems to be plenty of evidence to suggest that being left behind is the better outcome. In the times of Noah, which Jesus talks about in this passage, the people who were left behind were Noah and his family. Everyone else was drowned. In the end times described in Revelation, the establishment of God's kingdom is here, not somewhere else. It's that moment when everyone comes together in peace, 
just as Isaiah describes, where all the nations come together and learn the ways of peace on the mountain of the Lord. Here. Here and now. And those who are taken don't get to join in. Of course, it's a metaphor, isn't it? It's an example to show us how those who reject the ways of peace and justice are cut off from the kingdom. Not because not everyone is welcome, but because of our own decisions, our own rejection of God, our own clinging to the ways of violence and destruction leave us separated from him, separate from each other. Because those ways mean taking sides and deciding that some of us are with us and some of us are against us. Separated from those we think of in some way don't deserve justice or don't deserve to live in peace. Separated from the possibilities of living in harmony free from fear. Some of you don't like it when I talk about politics. And Avril's been ill this week, so this hasn't been edited in any way. <laughs> so don't throw things. I wonder how much Advent will influence our decision at the ballot box in just a few days' time. I wonder when we go in to put our X in a box, whether anything that we talk about and this place will influence where you put that X. It seems to me that over the past few years, one of the true tests of political leadership is now your willingness to annihilate half the planet by launching a nuclear missile. It's a question that people get asked all the time, isn't it? Would you press, would you press the button? Just think about that for a minute. Think about it in the light of what we've read this morning. It seems that looking for ways to bring justice and peace between people who disagree, actually being willing to listen to both sides and to try a way, find a way forward from violence, can get you into political trouble these days. Just think about that in the light of what we've read this morning. Advent is about three things. History, mystery, and majesty. That is. <laughs> the word Advent means coming. In Advent, we only look back at what has already been to help us think about what is to come, to look forward to the next time. So in history, we look back to the birth of Jesus to help us understand how that happened. It reminds us how far a baby born in poverty was from what the people expected at that time. They were expecting a Messiah, a mighty king who would restore Israel and defeat all their enemies. But their expectation of that Messiah was based on their own misreading of their own history, their own prophecies. Just like we do, they read Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Micah, and Hosea, and all the others who told of a different kind of king, who would bring a different kind of kingdom where peace and justice would prevail. But they still wanted a strong leader 
who would make them great again and who would defeat their enemies and build a strong economy. So Advent is about history because it's vital that we learn from our past. There's a famous quote that does the rounds that nobody's very sure who said it. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It tells us much. And yet again and again, we completely ignore it. So how about this year we don't? How about this year we pay attention? How about we give some actual thought to what's gone on? And why it happened and what we might learn from that? And I wonder, to help us to do that, to think clearly about things, maybe we should stop reading newspapers whose primary purpose is to tell us who to hate. If that's on the front of your newspaper, put it in the bin. Advent is a thoroughly radical idea that has absolutely nothing to do with trees and tinsel and presents and turkey or Black Friday, or Cyber Monday, or any of that stuff. Advent is about anticipating a new way of living. And that means changing. Changing how we think and how we behave. As the jingle bells of Christmas start to ring, they should remind us that the sound of Advent is actually the anvil's clang. As swords are beaten into plowshares, and spears into pruning hooks. This isn't just a decommissioning of weapons. It's a transformation of the tools of war and hatred and death into tools of life and community and abundance. And it's a once and for all transformation. It's not conditional. It doesn't say put your swords in the cupboard just in case you need them again. It says we won't ever need them again. They're gone. Repurposed for good. Redesigned for inclusion. Upcycled for kingdom living. Of course, most of us don't have swords. Our transformation is an inner one. where we put aside our tendency to divide, to separate, to hate. Our quickness to think of violence as a solution to any disagreement. Our hurry to be right instead of just. To walk in the light of the Lord and to learn the ways of peace. So welcome. Welcome to the waiting season where the light prepares and angels stir and stars shift and the word begins to put on flesh to move among us. If we're quiet enough, there's a song being sung, an ancient song spoken for us. For us, a child is born. It's a song of promise, of hope, of incarnation. An incarnation that finds us here, brought to the cusp of Advent. So let's sing to the world the news that the prophets spoke of, that Christ is on the way. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.